Hello and welcome to Bring Your Own Popcorn. Let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire as we spiral down memory lane with cult classics, Jurassics, and other genres that rhyme with traffic. What we lack in education, we make up for it with comedy, compassion, and camaraderie. I'm your host, Mixtape Majesty, here today with a very special guest, artist, longtime weeb, hood movie aficionado, my Valheim playing buddy, and the funniest person on my social media feed. Please welcome Christian Einzelbrooks. Oh my God, I could blush. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, listening to the podcast and then hearing it live, it's 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 a different experience. What can I say? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so good to have you here. Great to be here. Thanks for listening as well. Oh, no, absolutely. That's, as soon as I got word when I heard from our friend and I, I saw your post, I was like, oh, shit, I like movies. Let me, let me, let me listen up real quick. And I was like, oh, this is actually really good because I'm not usually like a podcast person because like, I don't know. There was always like this weird gap of reach between me and podcasts as I've been trying to expand my horizons. And like now I can find podcasts I can listen to and people talking about movies that I actually know about. So it's pretty good. (laughs) Hell yeah. Yeah, there's so many podcasts. It's a lot of digging through for the good ones. Some real digging. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Christian has selected a fabulous comedy for us to discuss. (laughs) But before we get into his chosen movie, which means a lot to him, first, we're going to get to know a little bit more about Christian with some questions. The the front page cover, if you will. <laughs> the front page cover. Starting with, what was the first movie that you remember seeing in theaters? The first movie I remember seeing in theaters was Deep Blue Sea. That movie came out in like 2003. So I was like in third grade. No, 1999. No, that would be about 1999. Oh, epic year. Epic year. Oh, God. So I was either just getting into the first grade or leaving first grade. (laughs) I remember seeing that in theaters with my older cousin and that famous scene where Samuel Jackson just gets gnawed by the shark. To this day, like the idea of like jump scares still blow me away. I was like, oh, God, that is frightening. I never want to do that again. But let's go watch more movies. Damn, I have never heard of this. Was this like just a 1999 version of Jaws? Yeah, yeah. Because like it was still coming at the head that like fish are scary. Sharks are scary. Mm -hmm. So like they're like, oh, but these sharks are different. These sharks were like genetically engineered to be smart. Mm. Yeah. And so it was like, yeah, Thomas Jane on there. And he's like coming off of, oh, what was it? I don't know it was coming off of, but he later went on to be the Punisher. Oh, he was in. The, he was the dad in the mist. Oh, damn! It was also in the show Hung, which is a weird show, but that happened. <laughs> and Samuel Jackson's in everything, so. You know. <laughs> what do you remember about that experience? You were small. Wait, this sounds like a really scary movie for a small boy. <laughs> you yes, because you're right. Uh, it was a scary movie. So my older cousins, they really helped me like shape my love for film, especially my older cousin Lavanda. She would take me out to the different movies. I I can't remember. She told I think she told my mom we we're going to see one movie, and then she saw that that was playing and was like, actually, we're gonna go see this movie. No, it was like you're gonna go see a Bug's Life, and then she's like, no, let's go to the horror shark movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're going to go to the horror shark movie. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And uh, I, you know, all things considered, yeah, I was five at that time. I was doing the math for a bit. I was five. I will say, I didn't develop a fear of oceans. I more like developed like a curiosity of sharks. But my thing, though, for like a long time, I didn't like standing near, but I I didn't like having my back towards the water (laughs) because of that scene. And it's so funny growing up, like seeing like, I see like like Watch Mojo like countdowns of top ten like bad CGI and that scene would always come up and I was I'd always like sit grumpy like that was actually pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> what is what does no one else scared of that? Yeah, no, honestly, I I don't think like the measure of scariness in a scary movie I don't think is in how realistic it is. It's how they set it up. It's like the the story and the characters, I think, is scarier than like how real it looks like the thing, the oh. the creature in the thing that yeah. does not look real. That's a completely made up magical creature, but it's terrifying. Oh, God, I didn't think I never thought about it like that. That's actually a good point. Oh, snap. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it, I didn't. I wouldn't say it messed me up, but it made me very cautious of like I develop a reverence for the ocean and its creatures in a sense, which is but, is good to have, really. Yeah, definitely a healthy relationship to have at the age of five. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that particular scene. And also, there was a cool thing of the guy, the main character, swimming. Like, he used the shark's fins to swim on. I would say that, you know how, like, a lot of men think they can take on animals like bears and wildcats? And stuff? After seeing that at the age of five, like, I felt like, oh, yeah, I got the secret code nobody else does. If a shark <laughs> attack comes, I'm just going to ride its fins. Yep. No. <laughs> Follow me for safety tips. I've got y'all. So, that's so funny yeah yeah honestly if you're at its side what's it gonna do they don't have like you know a neck that can turn so yeah they don't have biceps spin. yeah <laughs> at least on that movie at least on that movie no but yeah that was those are the two things that really really stood out to me so you said you saw it with your older cousins and mm. and you were very scared did they know you were scared did they comfort you at all Hmm. That's a that's a good question. Let's see. Let's, let's <laughs> sift. Let's sift through the trauma pool real quick. Uh, <laughs> they were not aware I, aware I was scared. I was not a very loud kid. I was very quiet. I kind of just like I I knew very young. Like oh, you're not supposed to be loud in the movie theater. So like when I was scared, I like bring my shirt to cover like just the top of my nose. Aww. So like. If I if I did make a noise, I could like close it and muffle it real fast. So I, I hope I, I hope I was still able to <laughs> come through the sound wise for that. Oh yeah, no, I can hear you. It, it adds to the to the atmosphere. Like oh, I appreciate you know, realism, ambiance. But yeah, yeah, so like I was definitely like trying to keep it to myself. But like because like it was one of those scary movies that turned into like an action film. I like came out cheering. I was like, yeah, they blew up the shark. That was so cool. Oh man, LL Cool J with the crossbow. Oh my gosh, we're always gonna love LL Cool J. Nothing about <laughs> LL Cool J will ever not be cool. <laughs> so yeah, good times, good times. I'm sure ni- the 90s were very well to LL Cool J. <laughs> Yeah, that's fun. It makes me jealous when people are are scared of movies because like what you just described is basically so there was like all this buildup of tension and then there was the release because they, you know, killed the monster and they did it in like a really cool LL Cool J way, which makes it super fun. And that's the thing about like, I say this as someone who never like studied film. I just watch film. So it's not coming from like a, a place of expertise or anything, but one of the things I would always hear from like my more horror movie friends is that the movie stops being scary once you see the monster. Mm. That's 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 been a that's been a reoccurring theme I've been noticing. And it's like, yeah, because like I'm very much a Freddy cat. I don't watch horror movies, even though the movies I do watch, especially like some of the classics that this movie we're gonna be talking about parodying, were very ultra violent mm-hmm. in some cases. I can't I can't do horror. I can't do like cosmic horror, psych- like psychological horror, things like that. It's very frightening, but I can do violence. I can do a little violence as a treat. Yeah, that's fair. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. What you said about not showing the monster. That's so true and so interesting because I wouldn't be surprised if the original Jaws started that because the original Jaws, they don't show the shark for a really long time but it wasn't because really yeah it wasn't because they were like oh we're like building up the suspense it was because they were like we can't get this fucking shark to work <laughs> like they couldn't get the the animatronics to work and it kept breaking down and like hurting people <laughs> they're like oh we just gotta like you know we just won't show it for a long time and then we'll shorten the scenes where you see it which ended up making it i think probably a better film and introducing this whole new element to horror where like you don't see it for a long time when you do you only see a little bit and then you get just a little taste and a little bit more so i wouldn't be surprised if jaws like changed horror by doing i would have never known that holy crap yeah Have, have you seen jaws it's been it's been some moons it has been some moons so like yeah i would have not known that no yeah, so I think you're totally, totally right about that. That's cool. Yeah, like that. They were adults at that time. I could get in to see it with it. I didn't know what the movie attendant was thinking when we were going to see that movie, but I'm pretty sure they probably had some looks. Oh, your cousins? Oh, they probably gave my cousins the look taking a five year old to go see Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. That movie you saw with your cousins. What was the first movie that you saw in theaters without any parents or supervising cousins? The first movie without like anybody else, and it was just myself, 
was probably it would have to be around two, 2009 i think the movie nine it's a weird puppet movie uh i say puppet but it's like okay so the world has ended and all that's left are these like nine rag dolls and it was based off of an award-winning short that the director made shane acker the story follows like the last of the puppets, nine, who awoken late, and they're just trying to survive in this world that's taken over by these war machines that have basically wiped out mankind. These puppets have the essence of the scientist who made them. He used like an ancient artifact or a machine. You know, they're trying to locate another puppet that's been taken. It's it's pretty dark. It had a lot. It has Elijah Wood. It also has John C. Riley, Christopher Plummer. I don't know if it's made by Tim Burton. Uh, produced by. Produced by Tim Burton. Yeah. Okay. Jennifer Connelly in it because I love Jennifer Connelly. Because I, growing up, I always saw movies with family. So this was like the first movie that I was just like, you know what? I'm in ninth grade. I'm a sophomore. <laughs> I got my big boy pants on. I'm gonna go see the movie Nine. And. Aww. Yeah, it was cool. I like you it. went by yourself. I went by myself. Oh, that's so cool. I like I took my allowance money that I saved up, go to the movie theaters, and was like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna go see go see this movie. This movie kicks ass. Also because nobody else would see it with me. So no. everybody's like, this looks <laughs> stupid. I was like <laughs> I love that. I'm a huge advocate for seeing or watching movies by yourself because people are like, oh, it's so embarrassing. It's really, it's not. And, no. but I didn't start doing it until I was in my 20s because I was affected by like that whole thing of like, oh, it's embarrassing. And once I finally got over it, I was like, no, this is great. Like, why not? And so that's really cool that you got to have that experience as a sophomore. What do you remember about that experience? Ah, uh, so a couple things. One, I remember falling and tripping and some girls laughing. Oh, no. Two, I remember because we had just lost, I say we, but I just lost my first wrestling match. Aw. And, well, I don't, I don't remember her name. There was a girl that I didn't know worked there, went to my school, and she saw me. She saw me tripping, was like, hey, like, I saw that. Like, <laughs> here's a free sub mouse. I didn't know the neurodivergency at the time, but I just thought she was being really cool. Uh-huh. At that time, I was like, oh, sweet, I got a free soda. But like uh-huh. looking back on like, oh, she fell back because I ate crap when I fell. <laughs> no, that's nice. <laughs> I was like, oh. like, at the time, I was like, wow, she, she must have been, she must have really been felled me. I was like, really cool. No, uh-huh. I, she, she fell back because this kid ate crap and he's obviously here by himself. Um, so. Well, it, it could be both because like you wouldn't, give a soda to someone that you didn't you know like you know probably i mean she was definitely a senior so i it was batting way above my grade at that time yeah but uh no she she was cool she was cool it's one of those things where it's like ah i i hate that i don't remember your name but i remember your face that was really really cool so if you girl who worked at uh the manchester theater in 2009 <laughs> you just somehow come across this uh this podcast uh thank you Oh, yeah. Kind acts go a long way. People will, might not remember your name, but they'll remember your actions. <laughs> That's if that ain't the truth. That ain't the truth. So, yeah, it was a lot, a lot leading up. But I just also remember leaving the theater like, yeah, that movie kicked ass and then learned that a lot of people didn't like it. That was also my first experience with just like, huh, I like the movie. Why did no one else like it? This movie kicks so much ass. Like, I don't get it. Like fighting puppets with like using scissors as swords. Like this is... <laughs> This goes absolutely hard. The premise sounds very cool, especially for a kid. And I also think that's another like really interesting thing about seeing it by yourself, because if you had seen it with your peers, like what if you went with some friends and they did not like it, you would probably be like at least a little bit influenced, at least by their vibes, if not you know, completely changing your opinion. It would have been a repeat of the time I went to go see Iron Man in my eighth grade year. The kids I went to go see it with didn't like it. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I I kept that to myself. I was like, well, I guess I'll die with this. (laughs) But then Marvel happened. And so I was validated. So those guys are losers now. (laughs) Oh, 100% 100 unironically. I I hope y'all, I hope y'all find this podcast. Actually, (laughs) y'all suck. You heard it here first. Y'all sucked. Yeah. When that kind of thing happens, does that influence your mood or influence how you feel about a movie? If everyone hates it, it used to. It used to because like it was I didn't understand that. It was one of the things like it didn't comprehend. Like, you know what? People are allowed to hate things. 
because like I've definitely run into a cross where like things that were like loved by a lot of people that I did not like. Like I was like, this is absolute guard. Why are we celebrating <laughs> this? Like, yeah, I is it, is it me? Am I the problem? <laughs> no, it's everybody else. But yeah, that definitely happened. But like as I got older, I learned that like, you know, everybody's allowed to hate things. Everybody's allowed to not be a fan because it's all about taste. Like your experience, how much of like your life experience can affect your taste and things. I feel it's very un- unappreciated and something often ignored. Like some of the movies that I grew up watching, like uh, Higher Learning, Menace of Society, South Central, Juice. When I show them to folks that maybe didn't grow up in that type of environment, maybe didn't know, understand those type of things, the movies, messages and things like that kind of come up. They don't, it doesn't really make sense. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm I'm just watching ultra violence here. Like, no, you're not just watching ultra violence. There's there's a there's a clear, clear message. There's a clear like story being message. told here. <laughs> mess, mess, ah, message. Yeah, there's a clear understanding that's being told here but like some uh, topics got to be spoon-fed mm. but in, in short i i had to understand that like okay you know sometimes growing up my view can really skew my taste and things and there's there's going to be times where people that don't have that view are going to see it differently except the guys who made me feel bad for liking iron man they're yeah. they're objectively wrong so yeah f- fuck those guys fuck those guys yeah yeah everyone else can have nuance everybody else can have those guys except they are i'm taking away their nuance card <laughs> <laughs> they lost it but yeah so that's that was really my experience in that in that case because like it really does it really does matter especially like when you're how you mentioned like seeing a movie by yourself i think that's that's something that i'm definitely like wanting to get back to which is kind of what i do thanks to streaming i feel like streaming has definitely helped out like you know on the animation side of things there's definitely bad points about streaming but on the other side mm-hmm. of things there's some good points it really just allowed me to enjoy a film both in my pace and in my comfort and just allow me to with those thoughts with myself. Absolutely. Yeah. I hope we get to the point where, cause like streaming in that aspect that you're talking about is like so good and great. And then there's the other side of it where like, because it's available at our fingertips, there's so much more stuff and there's so much higher competition and that sort of started to shape the industry because it runs on money because it's all about making money but i hope that we get to a point where i don't know figure out figure out something more communist to <laughs> some sustainable you know what i'm saying some something that can like outlast us a little bit yeah 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 agreed other than the movie that we're going to talk about as our feature film tell me one of your favorite movies of all time and why it's one of your favorites my favorite movies of all time is another hood classic the goofy movie oh nice <laughs> absolutely absolutely like unapologetically just one of my favorite all-time movies the reason i always have such like a, a warm spot for that movie and like played the hell out of the vhs and future dvd of it was that i saw a lot of myself in max and mm. having like an upbringing of just like feeling like all that i'm doing is wrong or that I'm becoming a reflection of my father. And in this case, Max's father, who's a goof, he didn't want to become a reflection of that. My father was absent and was really not a good person. Like, I felt that from Max. I was like, I felt that from Max. But at the same time, like, I, I also, along with Max, saw how ungrateful I was of, of the goofies that I had in my life. Because, you know, those those type of father figures who are like, yeah, I'll take my time with you. Like, yeah, I just want to be around you. I want I want to be there for you. It was really, it was really important for me when I saw that because I grew up and I saw that like in, in that parallel of just like, yeah, like I, I've really been taking those, those type of men in my life for granted and them wanting to spend time with me and like be around me is not a reflection of my helplessness, not a reflection of I'm not a charity case. No, it's just love. Yeah. I love that. I love that. The phrase you said, th- this movie a goofy movie is really good at teaching people to practice gratitude for the goofies in their life. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Yeah, it, it really is. Cause yeah, like no, we could is. all be stuck. We could be stuck with Pete's and <laughs> yeah. it's not a good look. No, I, I, I really love that perspective. Thanks for sharing it because it definitely puts, I love that movie, but it puts the movie into a different perspective for me to hear that you got that out of it. And I, want to apologize if you've listened to me talk about the movie 
in in my other episodes because i've actually not and i've <laughs> okay. i was gonna wait till after this after our discussion nice. here to check that particular episode out specifically uh because i talk a lot of shit about max so i apologize I mean, no, <laughs> for that. I, no max is a shit no you 100 because like he's unapologetically just when i okay so atlanta kind of made a joke about this but like i don't disagree about how like a goofy movie is like a black film there they did like a whole like parody that goofy movie was actually made by the black ceo of disney disney never had a black ceo but they made it by accident they made him a ceo by accident and his whole thing was like (laughs) i want to make this movie blackity black black ass blackness like (laughs) max is essentially like uh, a standing for his son and like being an inner city kid like the scene where like the principal's calling goofy goofy mm-hmm. and tell him like your son is going to grow up and and be affected by gangs and then grow up being the penitentiary and then in jail like as a black youth like you'll be doing some like like granted he interrupted a assembly right but he wasn't harming anybody he was like just having fun but like yeah him expressing himself in a way that that principal didn't understand immediately just like yeah he's obviously a ruffian he's he's a bad kid he's a bad influence you know if you don't want to see him end up in jail get him in line and like the the type of parenting that pete had is like the type of parenting especially black parents are strict parenting you know like my child not supposed to love me supposed to fear me you know what i'm saying like Mm. there was a there's a book an african-american book called fences where the dad was a very very mean man and one of the children says how come you don't like me dad and this speech has probably been it's probably been told in a lot of households at some point. I'm just like, I clothe you, I feed you, I don't have to like your ass. Like mm. th- shit like that. And that's the kind of stuff that Pete prevails, where it's like the type of parenting that Goofy is, like, no, I want I want I'm gonna love him on son. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna be there for him. I'm gonna I'm gonna cherish him. Like that's the type of of love that you know growing up you need. That's like like real estate, like the type of the type of love that Goofy gave is the type of love that all children could really could really benefit from. Like, sure, there were some helicopter parents was, and Goofy didn't really, like, you could, you could say something about, like, you know, respecting Max's space and things like that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, every, everything that Goofy was was to show that Max, that he loved him and that Max is worthy of that love. Absolutely. I think in truth, I think maybe most kids don't get that. I feel like it's a majority. I don't know how high that majority is, if it's like 60% or 80%, but yeah. it's a it's a lot. I think most kids don't don't get that, which sucks. We we all need we all need a goofy. It's yeah. Like, I, I I do say, I think in the episode that like this movie has one of a goofy movie has one of the best examples of a dad of any movie of all time. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, way better than the dad of the movie that we're going to be discussing today. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. He, although he is goofy. He is goofy in his own sense. He's goofy in his own sense. Just not that kind. No, not that kind. Not the, not the positive kind of goofy. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about a goofy movie before we move? It's, it has one of the great soundtracks. Yes, yes, yes. Seven Campbell, also a queer icon. Yes. Listen to him. He's great. Yes. Uh, also, Dante Bosco voices that nerd that says, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, baby. He does? Yep. <laughs> that is Zuko. So, oh, my God. Little fun fact. That's all. <laughs> That's awesome. I love Dante. He's so great. So unequivocally amazing. So overall, how would you describe your relationship with movies? What kind of watcher are you? I, I teeter between casual and hobbyist because... I can't say or lie that there's no, like, when I watch a movie, it doesn't change my life. Like, the movie Whiplash, that, that was, like, my, one of the few, like, movies I've watched as an adult that have changed my perspective on film, which was going to be one of the movies I was going to choose to talk about today. It, mm. Yeah, between casual and hobbyist, only because, like, I watch movies for entertainment value and just, especially with my wife, we like to just go to movies and just kind of chill there and just enjoy either crack jokes or just, you know, enthrall in like the lore, especially comic book movies because we're both comic book people. And then I like my Artur films that I just kind of like to watch on my own. You know, you like you have like the menu and you have like 
a chill watch of just like, you know, I'll, re- I'll review some of my old old hood classics and just kind of re-examine them from both like, okay, let's see from a from a leftist angle or just kind of like an adult angle, things like that. So I, I, te- I teeter between. I teeter between. It sounds like you take you take the fun of movies seriously. <laughs> see, and <laughs> I used to think that, but then I meet my other friends and I'm like, oh, okay, this is y'all's, this is y'all's job. Like, <laughs> like I thought I was hard into movies, but no, it's like compared to them, I was like, oh, I, I guess I really just I, I'm casual as hell. When I'm watching with with my friends and everything, we'll just it's a fun time because like one, we're all either former comedians. It's, we'll put on like during during Christmas time, we'll just put on like a bad Christmas movie and just kind of like laugh all the way through. Mm-hmm. Overall, with friends. I watch it just for the kind of the fuck of it. We'll just like to put on something and just kind of just relax and just kind of unwind and just laugh. You know, I like I like to watch movies with my friends to laugh. Yeah. Well, I guess I haven't like defined casual on the show before, but I think to me, like the true meaning of casual when it comes to like watching movies is a lack of passion. So it really is just like watching a movie is sort of the same to you as going for a bike ride or um gosh i don't know eating a, a meal no i don't know what a good metaphor is for that no I, I, I do say... like i do like bike ride though because like <laughs> it's like i was like that just like sparked the giving as like a bike ride i get that i get that like casual like it's just you're just like if you're riding a bike you're just kind of taking a view just either kind of just going to a direction or like a destination or you're just cruising along but like you're going somewhere and then when it's over you're not like thinking back and processing your bike ride Mm -mm. like if it's casual exactly (laughs) you're not thinking like you know i was you know at that corner i did put a i did pedal a little bit faster than before (laughs) i need to review that can we play back the tape (laughs) something like that yeah yeah so i feel like to me, the way you describe, I wouldn't call you a casual watcher. I mean, you're you're not you're not a fucking film bro. <laughs> like you don't need to dig into all of that. Like oh, the I don't I don't even I can't even think of an example. Um, but I got you. I got you. I got but you're you. you're passionate. Like you care about what you're seeing. You think about what you're seeing. I'm like a passionate watcher. I would I would say. Okay. Not yeah, passionate in terms of like like to a fault. Know, techn- yeah, not passionate to a fault. Yeah. No, I, I can get, I can get with that. Yeah. You, you take care in the things that you enjoy, even if it's, you know, a Christmas movie on in the background. <laughs> this is the space where the ads go. The monster blood changed direction, still bouncing and quivering and leaving white stains on the grass like enormous round footsteps. Joe, stop reading it. This is too scary for me. You're right. It is too scary. If only we could talk about goosebumps in a way that isn't scary. Well, guess what, nerds? There might be a podcast like that called Geesebumps. Geesebumps? Did you mean goosebumps? Maybe. Geesebumps is a comedy podcast based on the works of R.L. Stein, hosted by me, Danielle. PhD. And me, Jojo PhD. And me, Jeff, regular person. Featuring goofs, funny voices, and the occasional critical thought. Geesebumps! Available on Podbean and everywhere else podcasts can be found. Hi, I'm Milk, and this is a promo for my podcast, Nymphomercial, where me and my co-host review hentai, both enthusiastically and regrettably. So if that sounds like a good time to you, find Nymphomercial wherever you get podcasts. The featured film we are discussing today, chosen by Christian, is a 1996 black comedy film directed by Paris Barclay whose other credits include NYPD Blue, ER, The West Wing, CSI, Lost, The Shield, House, Sons of Anarchy, In Treatment, and Glee. This movie was Barclay's feature film directorial debut. It was produced by Keenan Ivory Wayans and stars his brothers, Sean and Marlon Wayans, who are most known for their roles in In Living Color, White Chicks, The Scary Movie Franchise, and many other comedic ventures. The Wayans brothers also wrote the film, along with writer Phil Bowman, who also worked on the Scary Movie franchise, (laughs) not another teen movie, 
and Nickelodeon's Cousin Skeeter. This 1996 movie is a parody slash tribute to a number of Black coming-of-age hood films, such as Juice, Jungle Fever, South Central, Do the Right Thing, New Jack City, Dead Presidents, Friday, and most prominently, Boys in the Hood and Menace to Society, only one of which I, the host, have seen, which is pretty funny. <laughs> which Wait, which one have you seen? Oh, wait, I want you to guess. Which one do you think I've seen? Oh, so of the, okay, of all of that that was just listed or just these last two? All of those that were listed. All of those that was listed. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> My heart's of heart hopes that it was do the right thing, but I'm going to guess Friday. No, you're right. Your heart of hearts is right. Do the right thing. You see yeah. that? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, that's a great one. Oh, such a good one. But, but I feel like it's also like, well, I haven't seen the other ones, but I feel like it's more, even though do the right thing is called like, like a comedy drama, it feels like the drama is like pretty heavy. Whereas like Friday is just like fun, right? Overall, yeah, Friday <laughs> is fun. I, I'm like, I don't know why. As soon as you said that, all of a sudden, I could just think about the serious parts of Friday, and I don't know oh. why. I've never like considered. <laughs> well, I haven't seen it, so I've never know. considered the serious parts of Friday. But no, overall, <laughs> it's a fun. It's a it's a funny movie. It's a funny movie. Mad quotables. Mad quotables. Yeah, because like, do the right yeah. thing is. I just feel like it's like so. I don't know. Typical that it would be the one that I've seen because it's one that you know professors show in film classes because it talks about race relations and you know has a, a message and and stuff like message. that message yeah <laughs> i mean yeah and at the same time i mean to its credit there's a reason it had a lot to say and it did a lot with what it had to say i mean i you know saying the reason there's a reason like when you hear the term a spike lee joint you know what i'm saying like that that mm -hmm. that carries weight on it and this movie mm -hmm. you know along uh no no not right now i am not i did my brain did not just there you go she's gotta have it uh there you go carries on so well because you know you know you have in school days you have movies like do the right thing behind it mm -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah no i i love that movie it's phenomenal and it is a crime against humanity that spike did not receive uh an oscar until they just randomly gave him one because we kept yelling at them about it yeah, sometimes you got to be loud. Sometimes you got to be loud. That's uh, that is when it comes to our shit. You know, we got we got we got to scream just a, a little bit louder. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm ready to scream this year about the fact that Nope didn't get a single nomination, which is just bullshit. But anyway, we're getting getting off track. Getting off track. It's all good. It's Finish. all good. We, we can change my for little days. intro. So okay, the film we're talking about today. It opened at number two in the box office in January 1996 and turned a profit because it had a budget of $3.8 and it made $20.1 in box office sales. Though this raunchy film got mixed reviews from critics, it developed a cult following and its jokes and gifts are still used regularly on the worldwide internet to this day, despite the fact that it is extremely hard to find the movie online to watch. The movie we are talking about today is Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood. <laughs> I'm so used to reading it, but then anytime I hear it out loud, it does not get any less funnier. It does not get any yeah. less funnier. Yeah. When I was rewatching the movie, trying to search for it online, I eventually found it on YouTube. But um, mm -hmm. when I was searching for it, I saw the poster for it. And it was so stupid because the poster read, finally, the movie that proves that justice isn't always poetic, jungle fever isn't always pretty, and higher learning can be a waste of time. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, damn, I really watched all those films. Because, <laughs> like, like, as I was trying to figure out what movie to talk about, I was going through literally the films that you that was listed that it parodied, yeah. which it's it parodied even there's some in that list that it parodied that wasn't even listed there. I was like going through all of them. I was like, man, like these are all movies that affected me. And then like I realized, oh, but wait, <laughs> there was one one that every time I think about those movies, I keep going back to, and it was this, one of my first introductions to parody films, Don't Be a Man of South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. 
That's so funny. So instead of choosing like one of those movies, you chose all of them. Basically. In a way, I, I was I was like the kid in the playground. I have the powers to have all the powers. <laughs> so yeah. I, this movie is the infinity gauntlet of of hood films. Yes, which and I and I hope if you ever get a chance to check out some of those films that was parroting, I absolutely implore you because this film becomes so much more when you have those in the background. Cause like, yeah. I, I, will, I can't wait to hear about some of your takes about some scenes that stood out to you. <laughs> so I can see, especially if I can remember whether or not, if I remember what scenes those movies were from, because I was like, okay. as I was rewatching, I'll just, I had to like, look back. I was like, Oh yeah, that was from the, Oh yeah. The Men of society. Oh, okay. Yeah. Higher learning. Okay. All right. Yeah. She's got to have it. Like I was like going yeah. through like this. Movies are real Easter egg. Yeah, I definitely cheated a bit because I did like background research, so I do know like a good number of the references. Good, good, good. It's yeah. gonna make this discussion even funner. And honestly, like even not knowing the references, I could feel when something was a reference, and that was enough to make it funny to me because like it was inherently funny. And then just knowing like, oh, they're mocking something that was like probably a really serious moment in whatever it's parodying, and just even that was like enough. And another thing I liked about it too, like the way the acting is done, you could 100% tell like, oh yeah, they're hamming it up. So mm-hmm. plot points. Cause it's like, yeah, like no, watching those movies, sometimes they do get a little melodramatic. It's like, mm-hmm. there was a scene where like the young boy was getting talked to do-rag where mm-hmm. like you could see his eyes roll. Like, yeah, that <laughs> if you were a kid born in the 90s and your dad like sat you down to watch one of those films, you were 100% probably just like, uh rolling your eyes so it's like (laughs) i felt seen in that film yeah (laughs) yeah i well i'll get into the questions in a second but real quick on the topic of of like the hamming it up like just next level hamming my favorite hamming it up (laughs) moment is when there's a mother character who there's a repeated gag where like she thinks her son's dead and she's like yes crying screaming and stuff but the second time she does it and i think that's kim wayans isn't it the sister of the 10 wayne siblings i think plays the this mom who's grieving she was a sister yeah so the second time this gag happens she like basically does this like dance and throws herself on the ground and just rolls and rolls and rolls like like a kid like rolling in the grass yeah fun it was just incredibly goofy oh <laughs> uh, i know what you're talking about yeah i also loved it in the first scene when that happened too because like it introduced that because like yeah that is a character in a lot of the hood film this is the main protagonist this is always the protagonist is like protector slash older brother figure this is the parent that's supposed to be given sage advice this is the mom friend this is the the the, the grandma watching through those movies you've seen all of them more than once <laughs> so tell me in your opinion what are the most important things that happen in this movie or a brief sort of summary of the plot points and themes so <laughs> it's parroting a lot but the movie is essentially a combination of it's a menace society and boys in the hood i think one of the important themes of this movie i have to give it to when when Loke dog was talking to ashtray about you know they don't really show how much of us is out there. You know, when you get out there, you let them know that you can't be a menace to society while drinking your juice in the hood. Like, yeah. <laughs> shit like that. One of the one of the themes that I love about this movie was that growing up in the 90s, it was just a whole bunch of hood movies about how bad it is in the hood. And just like, you know, if that was your understanding of Black folks at that time, all you knew from us is that we were just struggling. No, we we was laughing. We was having we 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 was that's as per usual. My people, we just we laugh at the situation. We was laughing at the situation, and that was that was why this movie for, for me was like so important. It showed like yeah, this is it's bad. We can have a message, but like we don't have fun with it. And I think the overall, like what that part of the movie I felt was important really sold that for me. I'm just like yeah, you know, it's it's a bad time, but we gonna have fun with it. Yes, absolutely. That's definitely what I got from the movie as well. So tell me about the first time you saw Don't Be a Menace. Where, with who, how old are you? What was your response then? And has it changed to the most recent viewing? I was born in 94. So this movie came out on the 6th. I was two years old. So I saw this like later in life. I would say 
I was 12 years old when I saw this movie. So I was already primed and primed of all the hood classics by then. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like my older brother sat me down watching New Jack City. It's like, all right, we watched this. Okay, we got, you got that down. It's like he was going through a bucket list. It's like, got to make sure when you go out in the world that you got these quotables in your hand because they're going to be important to you. And he was right. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he wasn't wrong. But this movie is, I'd say when I saw it, like my experience seeing it was so, it was, it was weirdly eye-opening. It was like an intro to like comedy in a way that like, as you're growing up in your brain, like develops consciousness. It was like, yeah, that's, they're, they're making, they're making fun of the movie that I watched. Oh my gosh. No, I also (laughs) thought of that. That's insane. Like, this is funny. Yeah, this situation definitely should have escalated at this point. Like, I learned about escalation in, like, comedy. I learned about the rule of three. I learned so much of just, like, I guess what I really learned watching the movie. And, like, I kind of understood how parody is written by, like, people who love the property. Like, when they say when you're writing a parody, you're not supposed to write from a place of hate. Like, you're not you're not hating the thing that you're talking about. You have to, like, somewhat love and understand the titles that you're parodying, you know, it has to come from both a place of reverence and understanding because like, you know, they say you got to know the rules in order to break them. This movie understood all those hood classics that I was watching and like flipped them. It's like, they took everything we was annoyed about and tired of seeing and said, yeah, we're going, we're going to do our part. We're going to laugh with this. And yeah, that introduced me to Hollywood shuffle, which is another spoof film that was written with the Waynes brothers. That's, preceded this and that movie dealt with what it was like being a black actor in hollywood so like directly after seeing this one i watched hollywood shuffle which highly recommend watching that movie if you want to know what the attitudes of being black in hollywood was like is is that one like a parody comedy or is it more it's serious? a it's it's a parody comedy that's done i guess a little bit more serious because it's still jokes it's still funny i would say like watching it later it was like a a more serious version because it was basically the story of what it's like to be black in Hollywood. You know, these are the type of roles that you're going to be going for. And these are the roles you're going to be stuck with. So, you know, that's all you got, you know, and Keenan Ivory Wayne's co-wrote that this movie, don't be a menace was my introduction to that. It kind of helped me understand more of like, okay, this is funny. And like, I watched a lot of black film, but let me understand black Hollywood a little bit more. And that was, that's what led me to it. Yeah, I love that. So it added more dimension to your to your love of those movies. And I love what you what you said about how you got to love something to parody it, because the love is so clear in this movie. Like, I don't think it would be funny if if they tried to do make these jokes and they didn't like the source material. Like it's the love definitely comes through. And I think it's you can be funnier if it's coming from love. Yeah, I know. One hundred percent agree. That's there's a heart to it that it's like, oh, yeah, I I feel it. But yeah, that's that was that was my first experience watching it. Nice. And you said your brother showed it to you. My brother showed it to me. Yeah, I think it was like a VHS of it. You know, we popped that we popped that bad boy in, and I was giggling <laughs> all day. I was cold. Everything from the ill in the playground. Then my other friend saw it, and we were just we, children probably should like I was twelve, but like children probably should have been quoting half of the stuff in this film. But one hundred percent, it was all quotables. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of a lot of weird ties in. You could tie up a lot of my current understandings to that movie in a weird way. Nice. So that was your first watching. How would you say that your response has changed at all, or what was it like rewatching it now? How long had it been since you last saw it? Too a year. <laughs> a year. <laughs> so okay. I usually have a yearly watch of this movie because how much I love it. Growing up, though, I would say I've learned to appreciate it more. And it's kind of funny because, like, as much as like my politics have matured as well, too. It's like, oh yeah, looking back on it, yeah that that part's not not as funny as more. Or now it's like, oh wow, this part is even more funny to me now. Like, <laughs> so it's like as I've matured, I found new things to be funny. Like the reoccurring gag of like the white dude when he was in the shop stealing everything as a kid. I didn't understand what they were trying to say with him. I understood what they were trying to say with them in the store and like the hurry up and buy thing of like, cause yeah, I've, I've definitely been rushed out of the liquor store before, which was, that was a reference to menace to society scene. But growing up, I was like, yeah, you know, we do let white folks get away with a lot of other shit. So like, uh, 
kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was not old enough to understand what they're trying to say now, but now I do. Yeah. The scene of when he was talking about the whole, like, my family lived on welfare for six generations. Like, I understood what they're trying to say. Like, as a child, I didn't get that. But I was just like, oh, okay. This is, I didn't understand what the dad was saying was bad advice until I got older. Like, oh, yeah, I didn't, I never followed any of the advice as a kid because I was like, I don't understand what any of that means. But I'm gonna laugh at the other stuff. But growing up, I was like, oh, yeah. He's supposed to be the opposite of Lawrence Fishburne's character in Boys in the Hood, Furious Sykes. Furious Sykes was like a wise man. He was like, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna teach you and I'm going to give you the knowledge if you're going to be living here. You're going to be nurtured and actually grow up with like an understanding that the outside world will not respect you if you don't have knowledge. Versus this dad where it's like, Hey, were you drinking and driving? Hell yeah, that's fun as fuck, isn't it? Like, <laughs> hey, you yeah. go go eighty on the freeway and just turn your eyes. I was like, wow, this is oh wow, this did not <laughs> did not miss that. Yeah, the scene that you're talking about viewing that in 2023, like my thoughts on that. The son ashtray is saying like, oh, I see what you're saying, Dad. Like he tries to see it as good advice, where he's like, oh, I see what you're saying. Like we need more black people in banks. We need to like you know basically pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and like work really hard blah blah blah. and dad's like no 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 like welfare is cool like yeah (laughs) we've been on it for six generations that's a good thing type of thing but to me it was so interesting because in the framing of the movie like in this wild universe where people are just getting shot left and right constantly like the universe that they're showing that the people in this neighborhood exist in it's like yeah why wouldn't you take welfare yeah, like why would you be ashamed of that why because it's like if you've only watched these hood movies and that's your introduction of black folks in general yeah that's why would you try anything else there's no reason to try i mean we, you literally saw a scene of an old lady getting hijacked for her walker right. <laughs> That's another scene that sticks with me to this day. Like, I still randomly think about that. I was like, man, if I was a writer in that writing room, I would fight for that scene. If they were even thinking about taking that out, I'd be like, no, if y'all take the scene out, I walk. You don't understand. I need to see the old lady get hijacked for her walker. The the best part is that character, I don't think they they needed it. But then after they had it, they don't run away quickly. They like no. slowly. <laughs> they actually use the walker. And very slowly, like <laughs> the the universe that they built in that story is absolutely insane and not a good place you want to be in. But they're taking apart all those hood movies pieces because it, as great as those movies do, they don't really do a good job of showing kind of the nuances of living there. So like you're only really given snippets of it and so like yeah well if that's the snippets they're only given that's the ones we're only going to show that's it if that's all hollywood cares about that is the world y'all live in i know y'all want to be better but no this is the world y'all live in right like the 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 trauma porn like hollywood hollywood only wants to see black stories if it's about like trauma inspiration basically and like feeling like one of the good ones because like at least I'm not doing, you know, whatever the bad white person is doing in the movie. <laughs> yep. Which is, uh, again, a higher learning. Another movie to check out mm. touches on something like that. Michael Rappaport is in there and it's, uh, that movie was it's stressful to watch. Yeah, I read a summary of that one and watched the trailer because uh, I just, I was, I was reading the back information about the movie. I know that in Don't Be a Menace, the same actor i think it's the omar same actor Epps. isn't it yep. malik omar, yeah yep. omar <laughs> the same guy plays the same character with the same name and... yeah like as i was watching i was a kid I was like oh yeah i remember that movie that 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 happened in that was fucked up <laughs> yeah so like just in case any listeners haven't seen this movie that scene is like a pretty good example of the kind of humor it is so ashtray and look doug are seeing their friend Malik go off to college and they do this whole thing where they're like wow you know he's the first person in the hood to go to college like we're so proud of him as they're walking away and then in the background you see Malik just like doesn't even get up the steps to the school before a white shooter shoots him and they just keep walking like yay like Malik's going to school <laughs> Dap up, like we're gonna make it out the projects y'all <laughs> yeah it's obviously like 
horrifying. It's a thing that really happens. It happens disproportionately to Black people, people of color, students of color, but just the absurdity of it. And I would say even in these like horrible all of these horrible things that happen, even in terms of like the way people of color can't get roles and the like stupid descriptions they'll have when they're trying to cast a person of color to get, you know, people to come into those roles. They're like horrifying racist descriptions. It's like absurd. It's so absurd that you have to laugh. Like either yeah. you laugh or you're going to like scream and lose your mind and cry and like never recover. But you you have to laugh because it's just so ridiculous. And I feel like that's sort of the vibe of this movie is it's just like saying, look at how absurd this is. Look at how absurd this is. Look at it. <laughs> no, don't don't turn away from it. You don't miss a scene. <laughs> look at it. Like, yeah, all the characters, again, just so many callbacks. There's Crazy Legs, a parody on, you know, the friend in a wheelchair from, uh, oh, my God, uh, Chris from Boys in the Hood. And then uh, there was another scene. It was with the late, great Bernie Mac where they were in the parking lot. The cop where he's like, I hate Black Pepper. I hate... So... Officer Self-Hatred. Best officer name in any movie. His oh, name yeah. is Officer Self-Hatred. Officer Self-Hatred, yeah. <laughs> he was based off Officer Coffee from, Boy- from Boys in the Hood. And his whole thing was just like, that scene, if you ever get a chance to like, listen to that scene, it's very similar, eerily similar. Like, oh yeah, it kind of is what he just said. But like, again, <laughs> all the quotables. Yeah. Yeah, I will say, so you brought up the friend in the wheelchair. And I will say, just as a heads up to viewers, there certainly is problematic stuff in this movie. Stuff that like couldn't be done now and shouldn't be. <laughs> and I would say, nope. there's aspects of the, the wheelchair friend for sure. There's some ableism going on there. And the other thing is the scene when they go into a shop that's run by some uh, Korean shop owners. Yes, the hurry up and buy scene. Yeah, which yeah. that didn't bother me because like I, that fucking happens. But it was the... The things that were said to each other. Yeah. So there's this Korean couple and then there's Ashtray and Lok Dog. And they say they both of them say extremely racist things to each other. And that kind of felt it didn't feel in place with the movie because it wasn't the same kind of commentary. No, it wasn't. It wasn't needed. Like it was it's weird because like in an earlier point, like Preach was talking about like, y'all can't say the you shouldn't be saying the N-word, brother. And he goes on his phone and literally after that speech, it says, oh, I got to pick up my dry cleaning from this. He says a slur for, for Asian culture, mm. which is like, oh, yeah, OK, so you're you're trying to do a commentary on like, you know, us trying to like the commentary for that scene, I felt like was us like, oh, yeah, like we we as a people will say, like, you know, like, you know, we don't really want these slurs said at us. But then at the same time, we're perpetuating those slurs on other cultures. Yeah. Well, like, OK, cool. Message. Thing. message but <laughs> in a Korean shop scene it was like okay you're trying it was like trying to have your cake and eat it because like you wanted that that's a very important scene from uh menace to society because like, again you got you're parroting two films at the same time like you got aspects of all the other stories but you're parroting two films at the same time but you're trying to have your cake and eat it and like mm. you you kind of you kind of fall flat on it yeah mm. you you made the message of oh, okay yeah like a lot of times people look over what white people do and like you see the dude just kind of going and taking stuff and like the shop owner like hey you dropped this cash but like then that part was very funny like yeah. that they could they could have pretty much stopped there yeah that's one of the things where it's like as i got older my politics shaped like that part not as funny to me anymore like during the exchanges and like there was another part that is kind of upsetting where Loke dog brings a girl to his mail truck you know gets all demon possessed and everything and then that scene gets pretty upsetting mm-hmm. even like some there are certain interactions that Loke dog has like i get it he's the play on like the they even describe him he's america's worst nightmare you know three generations of black folks living under poverty and ultra violence and Loke dog is the summary of it like they're like in mm-hmm. that in that party scene where he the joke is that like he can get any girl's number. He puts a piece to her head and like force the number out of her. Like as I got older, like that scene like felt felt weird. Yeah. But, and at the same time, like I get what you're trying to say. Like yes, he's like the ultra ultra violent. Like yeah, we okay, we got it. Ultra violent. Yeah. Although I will say, I feel like when that scene started to work was when I wish it had happened sooner because 
she, I think what should happen is that she just instantly took out her gun because in the end That's it was what both of them and that was funny <laughs> yeah you so, so like we watching that scene like as a kid like and then I was like thinking like oh she, she looks crazier than Love Doll oh she's gonna pull out a piece <laughs> on her like I thought in that scene like drinking thing like oh okay cool yeah 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 so this movie came out in 1998 and there's some parts of it that definitely do not age well yeah but the, one of my favorite parts was the opening where his mom drops him off. Oh my God, Vivica. Yes. Vivica A. Fox. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah. Ah, love her. Where she's like, sorry. Like, he's like, am I ever going to see you again? It's like, sorry, baby. You know, there ain't no black positive females in these movies. And <laughs> oh my gosh, if that's, if that ain't the fucking truth, like, yeah. running back and going through these movies. Unless they're like the girlfriend. No, yeah, there's really not a lot of positive female role models. So there's some, because like I feel like lyrics from Jason Lyrics was pretty was pretty good in the sense like she really held her ground and was like telling Jason, like, either you leave your brother behind who's just going to keep get, being violent with everybody or possibly kill us, or you come with me. I always like look back on her. She was great. She's played by Jay Pinkett Smith. Nice. I think that really the fact that there that there weren't positive black females or black women females <laughs> that there weren't positive black women characters in these movies I think speaks again to what Hollywood would allow to be made. So I absolutely don't believe it's not that there weren't any being written. It's that Hollywood was not checking the box on allowing any to be made because that's not the image that Hollywood wants. Nope. Yeah, that was a really great, a great line. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. The entire movie, man, it's it's a nice culmination. And if like if I had to give like a a similar to it to some of your viewers, for any of you who've watched Dragon Ball Z abridged, <laughs> it's that but for hood films, like in a movie, <laughs> it is that for hood films. So like as somebody who definitely watches Dragon Ball Z abridged and loves it, if you've seen Dragon Ball Z abridged and like what they've done with that, that's essentially what's being happened here. I would say in that same caliber, if not more, with Don't Be Menace Society or Drinking Juice in the Hood. Nice. The last thing I'll say about the movie myself is um, I do, there's some of this stuff can stay in the past, but I do want to bring back Buster and Partner. They say Buster and Partner. Yes. $5 Buster. Like, bring those back. Bring oh those back. my God. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Tracy Shell Jones. Yeah. I had the hugest crush on her as a kid. Oh, she. Yeah. And her in that movie, just like, ah. She's gorgeous. Gorgeous. Always went back for her. She's in the Players Club, Players Ball. She was in Big Fat Liar and Baby Boy, which is, if that's one movie I wish this movie could have had a, a chance on, is Baby Boy, which is a, a modern-ish hood classic. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's cool. Yeah. So I think you touched on this a little bit already, but. I'll, I'll, I'll go back to it again. Yeah. Any further thoughts to describe how this movie changed or affected your life? I'll start with this. Going back every time I'm watching this movie, I'm always thrilled because watching this movie also makes me want to visit the same movie it's parodying. It did a good job of like developing my interest in more of like the hood films. Because like when I watched this, I was only 12. There were still some that I didn't see, but it had me search out for more. And a lot of the messages that, you know, they watered down and, you know, for laughs and everything, at the end of the day, were still messages. And mm -hmm. it still had a lot to say. Parental figures, like why, like, you know, a lot of these hood movies, like we don't really given like actual real parental figures, some in our life, the way we treat women in these films and how they're just kind of there to either be baby mamas or just like love interests with little to no agency. And how we treat, you know, our own people. This movie, I, I give, I probably give more credit than some might feel like deserve. I do think that because this movie came from such a place of love, it taught me why I should want to appreciate our movies more. Because we don't really have a lot, like you know, what I'm saying like Hollywood's not really putting a lot of our stories in the forefront unless we're producing, unless we're or unless we're doing it in a way that they won't. I mean, like one movie that that comes to mind that's recently was uh, Judas and the Black Messiah with mm -hmm. that was the story of fred hampton they hollywood would not make a story about fred hampton unless it was from the view of the police trying to stop fred hampton mm -hmm. and you know i won't i won't get into the full story of it but 
this movie kind of really cements that for me. Well, I'm glad I get to watch. I'm, I always find a way to watch it every year because, yeah, it's just a reminder that our stories and our legacies, no matter how much we think, no matter how much the people think we're telling a lot of, we'll always miss those nuances. We'll always miss, we'll always be seen through a filter and, and power through. And we're more than just our tragedies. We're more than just the the disparities that the big screen sees us in. We can laugh. We can have a good time. We can we can joke. You know, you know the the hood. It demystifies like a lot of conceptions of like the hood that people feel like it's like oh, so it's not really like that. No, they're just playing it for jokes. Like yeah, no, like there are people there. Like no matter what neighborhood you go to, there's going to be problems. But like at the end of the day, these are we're people with feelings, nuances, layers, complexities, trials, struggles, smiles, and laughter. But we're people. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the lasting feelings I always have about this movie and why I'm always glad that I can revisit it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like from what you said and also my impression of the movie is that like if you wanted to step back from like how absurd and like raunchy it is, the thesis of this movie really is Black Joy prevails. Like, <laughs> yes, all this shit's happening, but nonetheless, yeah, there's still going to be laughter and humanity. <laughs> all that all that in a bag of chips yeah <laughs> yeah and uh, a carton of cigarettes can buy you into a goldfish game <laughs> <laughs> yep message message <laughs> <laughs> i do a little i always should get like a little recording of that like at the end of the thing it's like message oh yeah oh that'd be a really good text tone too yeah i so it's like every time you get a text that so back in the remember the early days of smartphone like everything yeah. had a thing to it I had that as like a text tone, like message. Nice. Yeah, was, <laughs> I, I, I'm old enough. I can stop saying like my stepdad, even though he was never married to my mom, and he was my younger brother's dad. I'll call him dad, but he would always because I was the, one, the more preachy of my brothers. He'd, every time I talk, he'd be like message. <laughs> so like, whatever. <laughs> I know. So yeah, there's love in this movie, and it also staples on like one of the things that was always important in black childhood and just like growing up quotables, you know, a staple for, for a nice good black film is, you know, the quotables. What's, what are some, what are some bullshit I'm going to come out of here saying and repeat <laughs> on time and time again. Mm-hmm. Well, is there anything else you'd like to say about this movie before we wrap up to convince anyone who's on the fence to watch it? This movie will give you like a nice fine rundown of some amazing films this film itself even as a joke is not going to put you on any oscar board it's not going to put on any criterion collection or anything like that but the things that this movie is parroting the things that this movie is giving honor to and love to are worthy of your time and if you're wondering like oh okay well should i check out this check out these movies or not this movie can give you a nice speed run through and at least get you curious on some of those films and uh maybe watch this movie first you'll be able to watch those films with a wider lens and uh appreciate them as like they're just one facet to a people's story totally i love that and i will say great pitch because that is the experience that i had like i am i am planning to watch Hopefully all of the movies that it's basically based on. <laughs> Don't burn on. yourself out. There's a lot <laughs> <Yeah>. of them. <laughs> it'll, it'll take a while. But yeah, the only reason I didn't like instantly start watching one last night is because I want to make sure like this was the most recent movie I'd seen so I didn't get it, get it all jumbled. But yeah. Let me know if you want to hop on Discord. We can watch them together. I'll, gla- yeah. I'll gladly. I will, I will gladly love to rewatch Juice with, it, oh. with some friends. Let's do it. Okay. We're going to do that. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm down. Get on the books. Alrighty. Well, this is super fun. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This is a blast. And if folks would like to find you or your works online, where should they go? They should go to Instagrizzle and go to BlackBoyFly6. It'll also link to my art, which is BlackBoyFly45Art. <laughs> under, <laughs> underscore art because uh black boy flat 45 was already taken for some reason what the fuck i know it's such a fucking debacle um <laughs> but yeah so black boy fly six 
and that'll also lead you to my art page, Black Profile Art. I make mid art to enjoy. I also crack jokes on Twitter from time to time, so you can laugh at me on there at BlackBoyFly45. I locked that down on Twitter. <laughs> the one and only. Yeah, yeah. Christian has some great art, and like I said earlier, absolutely hilarious. Love to see your posts. Always look forward to seeing you on the timeline. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I mean, I'm so glad that I got a chance to see your work and get to experience your work as well. Yeah. Thank you so much again. Oh, and remember, everybody, bring your own popcorn. Oh, time for me to eat, actually. <laughs> Bye. Message.